When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And because we're always obsessed with the weather and all of that and we've been in recent days we've had a little bit of a cold uh, snap and met Aaron had to issue status yellow warnings against snow and all of that and people were going oh that mild winter is behind us now we're in for a really cold spring. The good news is that from today temperatures are starting to rise again and we could have a balmy 11 degrees by Friday. Met Aaron is saying mostly mild and dry. A few bright spells predominantly cloudy though as we head into the weekend uh, but overall we're going back to the kind of the mild weather that we've been used to this winter we will certainly take that a very good morning to you John Paul taking your calls at 1850 you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 coming up on the programme this morning we are hearing a defence from farmers and farmers fighting back against the suggestion that we should all give up red meat or limit the amount of red meat that we eat. We had the Lancelot Medical Journal publishing an article saying it's a very small amount of red meat we should be eating every week, not even every day, every week and they were very much kind of pushing towards going towards a vegetable based diet, not quite saying go the vegan route uh, but certainly saying that uh, going the vegetable based diet from a health point of view certainly better for you but of course they're also harping in on the environmental impact of raising uh, cattle and for that reason that not just we here in Ireland but they're saying all over the world we need to look at our meat consumption and obviously for farmers they feel they're being picked upon because we also had our own Taoiseach coming out and saying that he's doing his bit for the environment. He said he was doing for the environment rather than from a health point of view and he was trying to limit the amount of red meat and I was kind of shocked when I heard Leo Varadkar say it because we know how important the agri sector is to our economy. There are so many jobs dependent on the agri-food business and we are a country that is well known for our beef and we export our beef all around the world and you know and we eat a lot of it here in this country so it surprised me when I heard our own Taoiseach rowing in on this particular one. So we're going to hear from farmers 
and letting farmers have their say and also trying to find out you know do the farmers feel a little bit picked on in all of uh, this argument and also trying to get to the bottom of to the environmental side of, of as you know how much are farmers to blame for our climate change or are we wrong to be picking on the farmers your thoughts and comments welcomed on that 1850 333 103 news that Mallow Town the bypass has been put on the long finger and put on the long finger again. One of those issues that you just think are we ever in our lifetime going to see the bypass for Mallow I've spoken many times about the need for the bypass it's kind of starting now to sound like the same song that I sing when we talk about the need for the bypass in McCroom town but it was all looking like the Mallow bypass was set to go ahead but there was a meeting at Cork County Council this week and unfortunately no and it looks like it goes back to funding so we're going to talk about that on the programme uh, today and then the very sad news staying with the town of Mallow but this is the kind of a story I suppose that will resonate with people in any town across the county and indeed the city it's to do with the closure of a small shop it's a greengrocer fruit and vegetable shop well known to the people of uh, Mallow Sheen's uh, greengrocers it's been in business for over 50 years now initially started by Liam Sheen and then in the latter years it's been run by his daughter Deirdre and it's one of those quirky little shops that you would go into to buy your fruit and veg but you'd also go in there for the chat that all always be people in there talking and kind of a little bit like when we talk about the role of the post offices there's a social side to a lot of these small shops and the sad news was announced actually on social media this week that the shop uh, has been forced to close and it's been forced to close because of building regulations they simply couldn't the work that would need to be done to bring it up to the modern day building regulations just can't be uh, justified so the shop is is to go and there has been an outpouring of support and shock and sadness by people not just from Mallow but from outside Mallow as well because it's one of those gorgeous little shops painted beautifully bright colours that I certainly have seen in in the summertime you will see tourists taking photographs uh, of it kind of a shop that that you would see um, certainly down in Kerry they know how to look after their small little shops like that and you think should we be encouraging those shops and should we have different building regulations I mean I'm not saying that you, you put anyone into a building that would be unsafe. That's that's not the case and certainly not the case with this shop but should we have different rules and regulations so that we keep some of our traditions because these little businesses, these little shops are very traditional and they go back to an era. I know that's long since gone we have the big supermarkets now but they're a joy to have these little shops and as I say there was a lot of sadness when the news broke the chains and it's to close on Saturday. So the own, the original owner Liam Sheehan is going to join us in studio to have a, a chat about it and also uh, to talk about you know how the building how his how the business all started and and his memories of working as a shopkeeper for over 50 years in the town of Mallow. And then coming the news from the city that students are queuing up to go into some of the early houses to access alcohol. And you're thinking, are students not going to college to learn and to study? And we know part of it is socialising and having their nights out. But I was taken aback when I saw this piece that they're queuing up to go into the early houses. So are they going 
I mean, I'm, I'm assuming if they go to the early house in the morning, they're not then heading into college. Does that mean it's a day of uh, drinking? And it brings about that whole discussion and that whole argument on our relationship with alcohol. And does it start at a very, very young age? I mean, we're talking about college students. So we're talking about 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds, young people. And if they're getting into the habit of drinking early in the morning, you just kind of think, are they having a very unhealthy relationship with uh, alcohol? Your thoughts? welcomed throughout the morning 1850-333-103 and can I bring you the latest on a story that broke on Facebook yesterday and we started to get calls in about this it was to do with someone who put a post up on Facebook to say that they were they went to the ATM machine at the Ulster Bank on Main Street in Mallow to take money out and they found what they thought was some kind of a scam going on or a skimming machine going on. A piece of plastic had been stuck into the part of the ATM machine where you put in your card. Now, really responsible, this a guy who discovered it went straight into the bank. The bank reacted immediately. They shut down the ATM machine for about 10 minutes, took a look at what was going on and it turned out that the item of plastic that was stuck in the part where you put in your card into the ATM machine was a piece of plastic called a card protector. So obviously the person before, the last person to use the machine had one of these plastic car card protection on their ATM card. They put it into the machine. They did their business. Their card popped out, but their card protector remained in the machine. So there was no compromise at all at the Ulster Bank uh, ATM in Mallow. So I just want to clarify that because that caused a bit. I know when I went up on Facebook yesterday, people were sharing it all over the place and we were even getting calls in about it. So just to let people know that it that it wasn't in any way, the, card, the cards weren't in any way being compromised. But I think, well done. I think everybody reacted the correct way we're always being told if you see something like that, report it immediately. Don't leave it hoping the next person will uh, report it. So well done to, I don't know what the gentleman's name was, who discovered that piece of plastic and well done to Ulster Bank. They did everything correctly. This is the Court Today replay on C103. The texture says, Patricia, the shop that you're talking about later in the programme that's closing down, is that the fruit and veg shop in the car park in Mallow that's closing down? If it is a sad, sad day for Mallow, it is. It's the only independent fruit and veg shop left in Mallow, as far as I know. And, and you know, even wide, wider afield in the North Cork area, I don't know how many little independent fruit and veg shops are still actually going today. The larger supermarkets really have taken over, haven't they, with all the fruit and veg offers uh, they, they put on as well. Very, very hard to compete with that, that those kind of offers. But yes, that's the that's the shop and we'll be talking about it after 11 uh, today. Mary by WhatsApp says, Morning Patricia, just wondering if you saw the programme on RTE on Monday night. It was the second in the series of One Day in Ireland. The first dealt with how we tackled rubbish and I did see the rubbish one and it kind of depressed me because I'm so obsessed with how we're drowning in plastics. And when I watch the rubbish one and the amount of rubbish that we throw out every single day in this country. And even though we think we're doing our bit by putting it all into the right bins to see where it then ends up. And oh, 
God, it was depressing. But anyway, uh, the second part of the programme de- was on Monday and it dealt with our tourism uh, industry. Now, I have to fess up and say I haven't seen it yet. I have recorded and uh, we'll get to it. Anyway, Mary says, on the tourism one, it was a day in Ireland from a tourism point of view. It showed Bunratty, it showed the cruise ships in Cove, showed how B&Bs operate. It was a lovely programme, but says Mary. One item shown was a chap in Galway running a pub crawl event. He walks around the city holding an advertising board offering pub crawl experiences to both tourists and Irish visitors to Galway. I thought to myself, what is it with us, the Irish and alcohol? We're trying to tackle our drink problem with our young people. And here's a chap making his money from this experience bringing people around to show them what a good pub crawl is all about. Mary said, I was actually very annoyed by it. It ruined what was a lovely programme for Mary. Did others see it? And would others agree with Mary that that, that she just felt that part was a little bit distasteful, I suppose, when you're looking at all the other wonderful events that went on to show off our fantastic tourism industry. And then we have a young lad, being entrepreneurial, I'll have to say. He's trying to get a job for himself, I suppose, but showing pub crawls. And for the tourists, would a tourist look at that and think, oh, that's what the Irish are about. They're great at their pub crawls. We'll go off with this lad and he'll show us how to do a proper pub crawl. And tying in with what we'll be talking about a little bit later on on the programme today, the very worrying news to hear the students in Cork City, university students in Cork City, on some weeks and days of the year, are queuing up to get into the early houses to get the drinking in nice and early and I'm assuming they're starting their drinking at the early houses and then probably and possibly will go on to drink all day. 1850 uh, Thank you for your comment. We're going to in just a minute be talking about the need and the call that's gone out for all of us to, re- to reduce the amount of red meat that we eat. Jim says, as a beef farmer, I have decided to also cut back on beef, butter and cheese. I think we keep the Jim says he's a beef farmer. I think we keep cattle in terrible conditions over the winter, cramped on filthy precast cold concrete slats while they lie down in their own poo. Lamb is reared outdoors. They can run free and they're not force fed like beef and dairy animals, says uh, Jim. I'm kind of taken back by that by that text because you, you introduced the text by saying you are a beef farmer, but you're against what you perceive are cruel and terrible conditions for how the beef, how the animals are uh, kept. I'm, I'm a bit confused uh, by your text. Sheila Millstreet then says she has a blood problem where she cannot take iron tablets. Her blood is very low, but if she takes iron tablets, her blood shoots up. Now that sounds to me, uh, I could be wrong, but I guess you have something like hemochromatosis where your ferritin levels go, go up if you take too much iron. Anyway, she's been advised by her doctor that she needs to eat meat three times a week for her iron levels and also she needs to eat green veg. What am I supposed to do in a situation like this when I hear medical experts coming out and saying that I need to cut down. Well, I take it when the Lancet Medical Journal, I didn't read the entire article, it was a very lengthy article, I read a synopsis of it, uh, when they give advice out like that in any of those medical journals, when they give advice out like that, they give advice out to the general public who are healthy and not suffering from any particular uh, conditions. It's like, you know, if you've got a medical journal saying we need to be eating more wheat and more bread, that advice obviously wouldn't be given out to somebody who's celiac, who can't eat a uh, gluten based uh, diet so I mean it's it's particular they, they give a general advice 
to the general po- uh, population. So Sheila, you stick with the advice that you're getting from your doctor and uh, hopefully that will keep you nice and healthy. 1850 lines open. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Laura Gelga, RC103. Roga Connemarie and Thelg Lot, the Via Broad, Major Gokdone. To Burka Forge, Ashling Augusera. Drastal Share, Kalosh de Munkin, Limna, Augusegra Mapella, La Topper Faldrin. Bodice of Vishay Savansko, Demerche Pell, Akostuche Grimmer Rugby. Clea Lancher, Egimert, Norvishay and Ultskull Limni. Renache Trilica, Defer Navuin, August Dioglash Ot All, Ern Vern. Demerche K. Clea Davuin, Ern Octula de Debron, Gavila Sede, Iguina Kuga Connacht, Mar Aharu Fala. Is Minica Imrian Shainish, Marlach Kula Cliberta, August Noig Shay, a Kedu Captavoon, and Blin Shakata. Dimmer Shayer's son, Rugby Naharin, O Gavila Sahinja Gorai, August Rauniake, Kundal, a trust and alone, between Austral, August Gadinu Halen. Winshay Mach Tridug Ud Dig, Iguina, Verna Idernashunta Gadisha, August is keen to come make Tilla a Machansha. The Lord Gwelga is Misha Podge de Bertoon of Wales Gultmostavish Paula. Seacade as a three Kirkig. Now, since the start of this year, it feels like it's open season on beef producers with the Lancet Medical Journal recommending consumers eat red meat no more than once a week. And even our own theatre, Clear Radker, saying he's trying to reduce red meat in his diet for both environmental and health reasons. Joining me in defence of beef producers, Pat McCormick, who is president of the Irish Creamery Milk Suppliers Association. Good morning to you, Pat. Uh, he's there. Sorry, the wrong button press. Good morning, Pat. Good morning. Good, mo- Good morning to your, to your listeners. You're, you're welcome to the program. I take it you won't be going vegan anytime soon. No, look. Um, I suppose as a farmer, uh, particularly frustrated with that diet, um, or obviously with that with that um, survey report that came out there last week. Um, you know, I suppose the Lancet report, uh, where it said that they may need to reduce. Uh, consumption by up to 90% and may I suppose being the critical word it's by no means definitive mm. uh, you know if you look back at the Lancet report over the last number of years um, in 2017 the report indicated that you would shorten your lifespan if you didn't eat uh, dairy fats and, and, and beef products and so, that was you know, just two years ago that report came that was out. just two years ago so there seems to be a contradiction and it's absolutely critical you know that I suppose that that is highlighted uh, in a short period of time that you, you can change so so radically um, because obviously I suppose you know they they jumped onto the, the climate change wagon uh, as well as the as well as the, the health issues but certainly you know from a climate perspective I think in this country we're very very well placed to, to feed the growing global population with the least carbon f- environmental footprint uh, from a dairy perspective and and the fifth uh, most efficient in the globe uh, from a beef perspective so you know I think our industries here in Ireland are in a very positive place to, to, to feed the globe from an environmental perspective going forward. But do we know, because one of the things that Lancet say, say you know, when they're asking people to try to, to cut meat by 90% was such a huge figure to reduce our red meat by. But, you know, they're, they're saying it's one of the main reasons is to tackle climate change. I mean, do we know how much does farming contribute to climate change? We do Versus indeed, even yes. other industries, say. 
uh, that we do indeed. Obviously, from an Irish perspective, we're, we're, we're very exposed. It's our indigenous industry, and, and it's almost our single industry, if you like, around the country, particularly when you move outside of the cities. But we must take this in a European context, because we are European citizens now, as well as being Irish citizens. And, you know, it accounts for 10.1% of the emissions uh, within Europe, whereas uh, energy uh, requires 78.6%. So, you know, it's significantly it's significantly higher. Uh, and, you know, we heard our, our own Taoiseach there, even in recent days, talk about his diet. Uh, but at the same time, he indicated that there'd be a significant number of ministers and junior ministers uh, travelling around uh, the globe for St. Patrick's Day, uh, the aviation industry. That seems a bit hypocritical, and you're right, the list is out today, and, and they're going to very far-flung uh, countries. Were you disappointed with Leo Varadkar's uh, comments that he's trying I to reduce? I was disappointed with his comments. I think, you know, he needs to be the Taoiseach for the entire country, not just the cities. Uh, and agriculture is the backbone of rural Ireland, and he needs to represent that because, you know, there is a good story to be told out there about our efficiency from a dairy and a beef perspective in, in food production. Uh, and he is the leader of the state and, and should be our ultimate leader to do that. And hopefully, you know, when they have travelled, because they are travelling now and that's very much indicated, hopefully when they have travelled, that they will um, that they will promote Irish food produce uh, all over the globe. But certainly, you know, there's a lot of things can be done. Everybody could turn down the thermostat by five degrees. and We'd save significantly on energy as well. But, you know, we need, we need to be practical. Uh, and it's not practical to cut the, the beef diet to, by 90%. And from an economics point of view, uh, we'd see rural Ireland crash. How many jobs, Pat, depend on the agri-food sector? Oh, God, somewhere between 250 and 300,000. Is it as many be, as that? Yeah. If you were to be inclusive, um, yes, indeed, there's 120,000 uh, farmers in the country with livestock, be it dairy or beef. Uh, and, you know, the spin-off from that and employees of that um, is significant, whether it's meat processing, uh, transport uh, and the various service providers. Liz on text says, these medical po- reports really annoy me. They seem to change their mind from one year to the next year. At one stage we were told butter was bad for us and then they changed their mind on that. They'll probably change their mind on this one too. Yes, indeed, you know, but, you know, we are food producers and that takes a period of time. There's a lot of planning. There's a four, three years certainly lead into the production of either dairy or beef. Uh, and, you know, you can't be changing your mind in that period of time. And thankfully, you know, life expectation is, was never as long. And that's the real test uh, of, of where we go as regards uh, the health status of the nation and indeed of the globe. Uh, and, you know, there is an expectation out there that we will, as a generation, live longer than our forefathers. Mm, mm. Yeah. And this push towards the, the vegan diet, is it only adding to the worries uh, facing the farming community with Brexit looming? Look, Brexit is the huge challenge. Brexit is the biggest challenge probably since it, certainly in over 100 years for agriculture. There's no point in saying that it isn't. And on top of that, then you have various movements who are playing a massive part in, in the media, but maybe uh, aren't gaining the traction on the ground, uh, including various different diets, whether it is full vegan, partially vegan, or, or whatever the case may be. Um, I suppose one would be concerned to know where, where the funding for uh, those promotions is coming from. And are you confident with the government's handling of Brexit? I'd be extremely concerned about it. Um, You know, we would have said that going back a number of months. Um, At this point in time, unless there's a significant intervention or a significant shift by some quarter, um, it looks as if we're heading for a hard Brexit. And in that case scenario, you know, Ireland is very much exposed with €5 billion worth of produce uh, exported to the UK per annum. 
25% of Northern Ireland's milk being processed in the Republic, mm. which accounts for 9% of our overall pro- milk that we process here. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of complications, a lot of costs. Uh, world trade tariffs possibly into the UK, uh, customs and border checks, all adding uh, time and, and cost uh, to the primary producer and ulti- uh, to the primary producer ultimately because, you know, it, to lead a bit the primary producer or the consumer and the consumer will look for the most competitive price that's out there. Yeah, challenging and worrying times ahead, that's for sure. Listen, Pat, thank you for that and uh, thank you for joining us this morning on the programme. Thank you, good morning. Good morning, that is uh, Pat McCormack who is the President of the ICMSA. Some of your comments on this, Mara says, Patricia, just to be clear, Leo Varadkar never said he was giving up meat. He said he was reducing it. A big difference as you well know and you're right the Taoiseach Leo Riker did say he's eating less meat and he said uh, he's doing it in the main to reduce his carbon footprint um, and, you know he was talking about the production of meat and in particular beef is a high carbon industry if you compare it to things like potatoes or, or wheat the impact per calorie of beef on the environment uh, is extreme uh, requiring 160 times more land and producing 11 times more greenhouse gases now 15% of all emissions come from the agriculture sector and you half that according to Leo Radker comes from the uh, live, livestock but when you then listen to what Pat was saying when you look at what the farming industry come what they they're the what what the farming industry is responsible for when it comes to greenhouse gases and uh, carbon emissions but when you put that against what we would for for generating electricity uh, it's it's way more so it it does look like i i would have to agree with um Pat McCormick and with other farming groups it does look like farmers have been uh, picked on I mean Leo Varadkar rather than saying he would reduce meat would he not have more of an impact on the environment if he was to example give up the car and walk instead or give up all the flights now I know he is the Taoiseach of this country and he will be expected uh, to fly abroad and talking of flying abroad the list is out of where all of the cabinet ministers and junior ministers I think every single I'll double check it I think every single minister and junior minister will be flying to far flung corners of the world flying the fag for Ireland and doing it of course for St Patrick's Day and I know there's always criticism of this and how much it's costing and all of that Uh, but the Irish government always say you can never ever put a price on the marketing value of all of these trips abroad and the focus that is put on Ireland and all of these countries abroad from a tourism point of view and indeed from the agri-sector point of view and it's all about selling uh, Ireland. Uh, So I think it's out a bit early. I don't know if I ever quite remember seeing it in January where the list is out as to and if we get a chance later on uh, we will go through it. And earlier I mentioned Jim who described himself as a beef farmer but who was deciding to cut back on beef, butter and cheese. He said it was because of the terrible conditions the cattle were kept in and I was kind of thinking well if you're a beef farmer why would you be keeping your cattle in those terrible conditions? Well Eileen is reacting to that and she said I'm a retired farmer's wife and there's nothing as such as what Jim said in his text. An animal cannot be left in filth and dirt. There's about six to eight inches into the slots where they're kept in the winter months and many animals have mats. So I'm not sure what that man Jim was 
talking about. We had some calls this morning to do with water outage in the Grenna area. We've got on Irish Water and Cork County Council. They've confirmed there is a burst water main, but repairs are underway as we speak. And they're hoping to have water fully restored to the Grenna uh, area later this evening. And also there was some calls in about electricity outage in the Colin area. The ESB networks have uh, confirmed uh, that that's been restored. So electricity is back in Colin. Now this week, the government has been criticised for putting the Mallow bypass on the long finger yet again. The move has angered some county councillors and disappointment has been expressed by the most senior roads engineer. Mallow-based uh, councillor Melissa Milan uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Melissa. Good morning. Uh, you're welcome. How long ago was it since a bypass for Mallow was first mentioned? Well, I certainly picked up a report, I think, a couple of weeks ago and it was dated 1997 um, and it was probably even previous to that. Um, I think once once uh, Mallow started to grow it all in business, which we were lucky for many years, to have a huge amount of business in the area, um, there was a need for a relief road. And obviously, as, as traffic gets heavier, and it does get heavier each day, there is um, very, very obvious that we obviously do need a relief road. So I would say certainly way back to the 90s, if not before that. So well over 20 years. And God, in would, excess, yeah. yeah. And would you say it's now, it needed now more than ever? Yeah, and I think what happened for um, what, what the excuse a long time was. Well, look, we're looking at the the M20 Cork Limerick motorway, and that becomes a priority, um, and that will deal with the problems um, in Mallow. But you know, we need something in the meantime. The the we were told as was it last Monday's meeting that perhaps the relief road could work coincide with the motorway. Yeah. But um, I, I, I mean, I feel that's very unlikely. And um, I think as well also the engineers felt that that was very unlikely. And then it's just excuse after excuse. Um, they did tell us that there was an allocation of, I think it was up to €300,000 um, was available in 2019. So this was approved for project appraisal. Um, and a consultant's brief was to be finalised etc now obviously there would be that would also involve some P, some um, CPOs and you'd have to obviously have environment impact statements um, and you know obviously with CPOs you're going to have some issues and you're going to have board panola but even at that when we're looking at many years down the line as well as we are with the motorway So but with that 300,000 will you start doing at least the CPOs and the environment, environmental impact studies will they at least start this year? Um so they're telling us, but they, they've also told us that on the motorway, yeah. um, the the motorway was in in the national development plan at one stage, then it was taken back out, and then it was put back in again. Now apparently it is in the twenty eighteen to twenty twenty seven. Um, again, I, I I wouldn't be putting so much hope in that happening very soon. And um, we were told too many times before. Yeah. Um, what I did say, and I stressed that at the meeting on Monday, and I, I kind of urged people, particularly those that perhaps were in the room that were hoping to, to run for national politics at some stage, not to use the motorway uh, as the you know the ploy for, for votes, because that's what happened previously. I know we've had previous TDs in Norcork that have said when it came up to election, oh, it's definitely happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, splashed across the front page of the media saying, yeah, it's going ahead when it didn't. So I don't want certain, I don't, I don't want anyone to do that again. Um, I think obviously we'll all progress and um, we'll all, we'll all, we'll try our best. I mean, I think it was back in 2014, probably 2015, um, the municipal um, council in Mallow went to Dublin and we did meet with the um, transport 
um, Minister and again we pleaded our case for both cases for either the motorway or the relief road and the necessity for both so they know a long time we're trying everything obviously we're sick to death of of writing to them um, and it's just the same jargon that comes back each time yeah it's in the plan and we're you know this has been done and that has been done the only one that's really profiting out of all of this are those that are doing um um, the plans, drawing up plans, are putting reports together, and it's all these consultants that are constantly getting getting paid. You, I know, but money. I mean, the council, along with another local business people and the, the chamber of commerce, uh, got together, and that, I mean, you put together a very detailed business case for the yes, project yes. was put forward, which 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 cost a significant amount of money. Um, which was funded by by both the business chamber and obviously by the council. And again, look, it's just lying on some shelf. Which I, I mean, there, there are many of them at this stage. Yeah, um, I know, can sense the frustration it. in 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 your voice, Melissa. Yeah, you know, um, it's it, when we when we have our, our roads meeting, it's probably the first thing that comes up um, at every meeting. And again, we'll probably have another letter from the minister or from the department, or you know, just telling us, oh yeah, it's 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 on the way. The announcement will be hopefully by the end of the year, and we don't have anything. Yeah, Dermot in Mallow has just sent me on uh, a poster saying remember when the Mallow Development Partnership and the Mallow Chamber came together with a poster uh, he reckons it was near the last election and he sent me on it was Unblock Mallow's Heart (laughs) it has a a bypass going on and they're still actually hanging up in a lot of businesses are they? yeah yeah yeah, yeah, it's just yeah and it's the business community certainly in the centre of the town you have to have sympathy for because at times the main street in Mallow looks like a car park Oh, it does. Look, you, you you can't grow any economy without some regional infrastructure. We need to understand that. You know, we we want we we want to 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 attract business to the town. And I mean, most of the time, if you were to even try and um, drive through Mallow, it's just at a standstill. So we do need the infrastructure there. There's a huge amount of heavy duty cars and and lorries and um, equipment passing through our roads. And um, you know, the roads we have at the moment are not suitable for them. And they were we never designed for that volume of traffic? No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, lack of investment in in in, in any area, obviously, is going to affect jobs. And, and, you know, it doesn't instill confidence either in the companies that have invested hugely in the area as well, where they don't see the government um, putting their money where, you know, where they said they were going to do for many years. I know with Dairy Gold, they've invested a huge amount of money in the town. And again, ho- hoping that we were going to get a relief road or the motorway will be put in place. Yeah, mm. it's, it's, yeah, and again, as you say, it just goes back on the long finger. So the council now, what, plead right again to the Department of the Environment, yeah, TII? I mean, there, yeah, there must be, a, a, um, a, a, I don't know, at this stage, files upon files of letters, I'd say, from Cork County Council. And, and I would imagine from Limerick Town to County Council as well on the motorway. And um, just on the motorway, obviously, Limerick will be the lead authority on that. Um, so, again, I kind of was probably, you know, a bit disappointed again on the motorway, even though they're, they're, they're saying that um, an announcement for a successful tender is imminent. Um, it was meant to be given to us at the end of 2018. We're now into 2019 again. You know, that line is used in so many letters. Yeah, um, I, I, always, know, it, I thought, don't hold your breath on that one because no, we've been left dangling so for so long. It is so disappointing, you know. I don't think they take Cork seriously. We're the second biggest city, wanting to be linked to the third biggest city, which is Limerick. And, you know, once you kind of come out of, of Dublin, they seem to forget us. Mm. But, I mean, it is so important. 
But yesterday then we did have a good news story that we were running here on our news bulletins from Mala with the contract being signed for the development of the castle, the town park and the small yep. house. Yeah, that's very good news. Um, I'm, I'm like obviously it will take a bit of time, but it is tremendous news. Um, it'll bring huge amounts of obviously tourism and sporting events into the into the area. Um, that's a big plus for the area, and obviously hopefully the boardwalk as well. Maybe later on in the year, um, we're hoping to have some news on that perhaps for our next meeting. Um, about tenders have went out for that contract, so yeah, it's a big plus, very okay. very big plus. Okay. But again. It's lovely to bring tourists in and all this, but when you don't have the infrastructure there and yeah. they're clogged up in areas and, you know, the motorway isn't there to bring them in from, you know, from, from, from Dublin downwards, or it, it, it becomes very frustrating. OK, and just finally, I was reading in the examiner this morning a piece by uh, Shona Reardon and you were mentioned in it. It was to do with jumping at uh, uh, bring sites, which we often get complaints in from listeners who, who, you know, who go along, bring their rubbish, bring their bottles, their cans, whatever. And they'll send us in photographs of people who came along just because the bring site was full and they leave their boxes and all of the bottles and the cans uh, in, in there. You uh, raised this at, at a recent meeting. Yeah, um, I think there was actually some fines um, were were issued on that particular issue. You know, people that even bring bring their product in or their their recyclables in cardboard boxes and bags and leaving them afterwards, and there was a lot of fines issued. Um, I'm sure that's probably what your your yeah. context of that is. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you go to a bring site, there's there's to, covert CCTV cameras at yeah, a number of the are, sites. There, there there are cameras there. Um, if it's full, obviously you you're going to have to bring them bring them back home until they're empty. Now it isn't often that they're full, that they're um, they're they're full to the brim. I mean they they are emptied quite regularly. Um, but you know it, it's very it, plus on top of that. I mean in car parks you've a lot of businesses around that, and it's not fair on businesses to have overflowing recyclables. Um, in, in their business area as well. So, you know, certainly you want to be wary because there are cameras there. You will be caught. You will but be But it hot. is littering, you know. Yeah. It is littering. You can't just leave your empty boxes. You can't leave the bags that you brought, brought, brought your disposables in. And if it is full, you bring them home until they're empty. Yeah, OK. A couple yeah. of questions in for you. Joe in Cantark, has Melissa any update on the library situation in Cantark? Yeah, unfortunately, look, I'm sure it's quite it's, it's common knowledge at this stage. We we were hoping to um, have a building, which obviously the contract fell through for various different reasons. Um, we are still obviously trying to seek a building there, but it is becoming very difficult. Um, at the moment, the mobile um, library is, is in sitch, and apparently it is working very well. The staff there are very good. I was talking to actually the, the staff only last week, and um, the feedback was very positive from those that are using the library in, in Kenturk. But obviously, it is important that we do get a permanent. Building. Yeah, people want their library finding, back. Unfortunately, it's finding difficult to find one. Yeah. Um, and that's not just obviously in a library building, but in Hintork in general, it's very difficult to find any premises, even for sporting groups down there. There's a lot of sporting groups, like obviously the, the scouts and that, who have no permanent base. So. You know, property in Kentuck for obviously for the library and for recreation and for sporting events and for voluntary groups, it's difficult there. Okay, and one final question, Marie and Mallow. Uh, does Melissa know are there any plans to maintain and landscape the Annabella roundabout this year and not have it overgrown like it was last year? 
Yeah, I think I got into a little bit of trouble over calling it overgrown at one stage because I was told they were actually flowers. <laughs> I know, I had to go out as well and look and I was trying to decide which was weeds and which were flowers and I was told they were flowers, yeah. I was told yeah. they were flowers. Yeah, um, yeah look, it, it's not obviously, um, the, it isn't the responsibility of Cork County Council, that's the responsibility of the TII. Sadly, we had to intervene before the garden show last year and um, put our own resources into it to try and tidy it up a bit. Um, but yeah, certainly that's another issue that comes up quite often in and council meetings because it's the first thing that people see when they arrive into Mallow and the public are very aware when, when something happens there. So yeah, um, hopefully we, we'll have it at a, t- a tidy or a t- I'll get in trouble again for this because I'm sure they are. <laughs> Beauty's in the there. eye of the beholder when it comes <laughs> yes, to yes, flower arrangements. Yes, All right, yes. Melissa, listen, thank you for that God and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. So that is uh, Mallow-based uh, Sinn Féin councillor Melissa Milan. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some people on about Melissa Milan, what we spoke with Melissa Milan about in the last hour and in particular about the lack of a bypass for uh, Mallow. Uh, people saying well done to Melissa for raising this issue. This bypass is long, long overdue. But somebody is blaming previous town councillors, if I can find it, Mary Mallow says, no wonder the government don't want to invest in Mallow. Look at what the previous town council did with the building of the plaza and it cost millions and now it's blocking up the whole town. That money should have been put towards a relief road uh, Mallow has become a car park uh, plain and uh, simple and Katrina says listening to Melissa on your programme this morning speaking about the relief road for Mallow I totally agree with everything she says I, u- I use the Mallow to Mitchellstown Road every day in order to commute to and from work lots of trucks on it my dad was told some 20 years ago that his land would be used for a bypass he said that won't happen in my lifetime he's now 80 and nothing's been done yet let's hope it will happen and will happen soon because Mallow Town badly needs it uh, says uh, Katrina. Now on the eating of red meat and should we be cutting out red meat and what the Lancelot report said and then we've Leo Varadkar saying that he's reducing his red meat. A West Cork listener says hi uh, Trish my late mother lived to be almost 90 and she ate red meat virtually every day of her life. She was rarely in hospital by the way she also smoked 10 cigarettes Today, I certainly wouldn't say she died young. Are a trouble to the health professionals. Everybody is different, and one size does not fit all. Uh, thanking you, says a West Cork listener. Maura was listening to Pat McCormack from the ICMSA in defence of beef uh, farmers. And Maura says, "Morning, Patricia." Where has that poor man been living? If he'd been paying attention, he would know that Leo Varadkar and the crew, the rest of the gang in Dáil Éireann, don't give a hoot about anyone living outside the Nace dual carriageway or anybody living in uh, rural Ireland. And there was other people on about the eating eating of red meat and also some people picking up on Jim who would text in saying that there was cruelty involved with the raising of animals and I suppose it's unfair to generalise because it wouldn't be across it isn't all farmers but um, John is in Ballinhasic uh, and he wants to talk about the carbon footprint of farmers that we mentioned when we were speaking with uh, Pat McCormick uh, Good morning to you John Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I, I'm very well, and you're welcome to the program. You, the entire carbon footprint for farmers uh, is at fifteen percent. 
15%, yes, and like the other 85%, there's nobody talking about, unfortunately. But as far as beef is concerned, I'm farming over 60 years now. I'm retired on my son is farming. Yeah. But it's one of the safest products you can put on your plate because beef animals normally don't get sick. And if they do get an injection first in the morning or something, they'll get there's a withdrawal period of maybe 20, 30 or 50 days. And you go send that animal to the factory and the time isn't up. The department men can find out that that animal has got an injection and she's trying to escape and you're not paid. That's number one. And before the animal is killed, the department people inspect her as well. Now, farming, what is wrong really with the comments that are coming in that people in the city don't understand farmers or understand farming? And I think there should be a lot more open days in farms for to let these people see how the food is produced. Go to the creameries where the ch- where, and the factories where the cheese is made. Go to the meat factories where the cats are killed and they'll see the whole story. Yeah, farm to fork, get an, get an understanding of where it's all where it's all coming yeah. from. So and I was amazed that, yeah. I was amazed that Leo Vatkar for the made, the made that uh, comment because people like a bit of meat and there's a very old thing and it's true today it's hundred years ago everything in moderation because our beef is the best in the world or milk you can see how the Chinese are getting very fond of our milk products they're all the infant family is going out to China it and is. that's the yeah. most stringent one that's tested yeah yeah yeah, I mean, we have a great food product in this country. Well, we were fantastic because we have a green grass that cattle out on the most of the time. And, you know, the sad fact about farming, people may not understand it, there's a very dangerous situation in hand. The age, the profile age of farmers is nearly 64 or 5 years. And where I'm living in Bellinhasic, there's eight farms that the sons are up in Dublin or elsewhere with good jobs in America, they're just not taking on them because the profit is not in it. Working seven days a week, their brothers are working five days a week. So there'll be fierce problems down the road, I think, with trying to get proper good food. Yeah, and it's, it's getting very hard to get young people interested in farming because while it's a, farmers will say it's a lovely lifestyle, it's, it's a tough job. Well, I'd say, and we're starting calving our cows now, and his son was up last night, most of the night calving on cows, and you could see this morning he was like a fella after 20 pints of water. Oh, exhausted, exhausted. So, like, it, it's a ha- but if you like it, it's a good life, but yeah. it's a hard life. And I love if city people, because I always think farmers understand city people much better than city people understand farmers. That's a good point. Are you worried about Brexit? Oh, yes. Yeah. It's an awful mess. I'm amazed at the of English people that they couldn't just Listen, it's, it's a political role, really, the whole thing. I, I think Theresa May is, is a good woman. She's she's very, um, she's very uh, you know, intelligent what she's doing. Like, there's no one that's going to get they want. But it's, it's very worrying. If, if that goes wrong, I don't know what's going to happen. The time will be for 250. It's uh-huh. at 380 at the moment, and we're still losing money. So it's a worrying time in farmers. Okay. All right, John, listen, thank you for that and thank you for your comment. And thank you uh, for uh, on the th- Thanks a million. 1850 Hi, Patricia. This is Tom by WhatsApp. Uh, just a comment on the cattle for the winter and the point that was made by Jim with some cattle in 
awful conditions. So I was going actually to text you yesterday, says Tom. It's interesting that this topic comes up in your programme today. I'm a truck driver. And there are there are animals around the country in horrific conditions. And I mean dairy animals. Uh, tell the lady who is out in defence of dairy farmers that she's in cuckoo land if she thinks that they all have slats and rubber to lie on or straw to lie on. I'll send you pictures if you want and they'll shock you. I see firsthand what farmers are like. Well, some of them. Some are terrible. Some are super but there's no control over the cruelty. Uh, love the programme, says uh, Tom by WhatsApp. Thank you for that, uh, Tom. And we touched on Brexit when I was speaking there about farming. Michael wants to raise Brexit on the programme and, and uh, I'm hoping to uh, to, uh, to talk about it later on in the show. But Michael says, Patricia, should the UK crash out of the EU in a clean break, they will have 10 years of tariff-free trading after they leave. That's under Article 24 of the General Agreement of Tariff and trade in which they have 10 years to come up with a deal with the EU. Furthermore, any CEO that has not provisionally prepared their company for a no deal scenario should no longer be holding such a position. Well, I, I, I take it there are very few CA, CEOs or business leaders who are not preparing for the no deal scenario. And I know our own government are, as we speak, preparing for a no deal uh, scenario. And they are, there's talks already of for emergency legislation which will be needed in the event of a no deal Brexit and we, the government are expected to publish that uh, next week. The heads of what's been called a mega bill which will cover 17 different areas will be published this week with a full b- bill to be published next uh, week. 1850 lines open. C103 Jobs. FRS Network in Cantark. They've got full and part-time position available on dairy farms in Cantark, Mill Street, Mallow and uh, Bottevent. Natlin's Montessori School and After School Club in Cantark. They're looking for a full-time preschool leader. It's to work in their busy Montessori and After School Club. And Ard Fallon Motor Care, that's on the Kinsale Road. They're looking for an experienced motor vehicle technician. And a tyre fitter is required to work in band and contact uh, Marie at Shamrock Tyres. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now, a lot of people in Mallow and the surrounding areas were very saddened with the news that this Saturday, Fresh Start, which is the wonderful, quirky little greengrocer in Michael Lane in Mallow, is to close. The shop has been in the Sheehan family for over 50 years and I'm joined in studio by the man who started it all, uh, Liam Sheehan. Good morning to you, Liam. Morning. Uh, And and you're welcome. Firstly, you must be really touched by the reaction to the news and the outpouring of of appreciation and love and respect for the shop. Oh, yes, certainly. I feel humbled by it, really. You know, so many people and my feelings are that we're letting them down. A number of people say, what will we do? Where will we get our uh, Castle Gregory carrots? You know, but still wishing us well. And I feel for those people, some of those have been coming to me as long as I've been there. Yeah. And I've been there 55 years, I know. And... uh, 
Last time we're all done myself, and a lot of them are from outside areas, you know. Yeah, they're not just from the town. No, no, yeah, no. yeah. And they'd be so loyal to us all that time. So yeah, I was it, looking at some of the. You feel a bit emotional at times. I was looking it. at some of the posts on Facebook. I mean, there were there there are people coming into the shop who would have grown up going into the shop with their mothers. Yeah. And now they're going in yes, as right. as mothers themselves. Yes, that's right. It was quite a few of those. No, I know. <laughs> yeah. Of people. And, you know, and a lot of people over the years would tell you their stories. You know, it happened once or twice now, a woman said to me. And they would be from outside as I wouldn't know their names, even though I wouldn't know them all my life, really. Well, for quite a lot. And they'd say, himself passed away last year. You know, things like that. And I know. I've no, I've no, I never learned to drive. And I'm, I'm kind of a bit lost now, and you're depending on neighbours. Things like that, you know. Yeah, they are just open private up. Private things and, yeah. you know. So um, and 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 it's the dreaded building regulations that's forcing the closure. Yeah, well, a, a lady came from the department and she made recommendations and put me in a new a new floor, a new well a repair in the ceiling which is very high, and see what you must remember this house this building could be well over a hundred years. Yeah, seemingly Canon Sheen based. The Graves of Kilmore and the village in that famous story on Carmichael Lane. Wow. Carmichael Lane was a hive of activity. There was everything possible in Carmichael Lane yeah. on both sides, you know. So if you start interfering with walls or anything, you'd know. Oh, it's, it's an old so building. the cost would be prohibitive uh, and you'd have to close for a while, then reopen and... It's not worth it. Well, it was the other. Maybe that's <coughs> dear to your daughter who, who took over. When did you did. sort of af- so officially or unofficially retire? Was it, is, is it five years ago? Uh, Three years could ago? Could be more, I'd say. Is it more? I'm very right. much for years. All oh, right, but it's dear to your daughter has yeah. been has been running it since. But you've obviously been I, I m- involved. For a couple of hours every day. Yeah, you know? yeah. So dear to... Uh, Dwelt in it for a day or two and then decided no, yeah. it wouldn't be feasible because I don't think it would stop there either. Yeah, you know, and uh, as I and s- it is like it's it's the it's an old building and obviously you would have had inspectors you know calling o- o- over the years. You would assume that allowances would be made for an old style shop. Yes, you would, but yeah. <laughs> it, but doesn't, red tape. it doesn't seem so. Yeah. You know. No, at the same time, the building is basic, you know. You, it's not a state-of-the-art building or anything like that, so there's no point in pretending to be otherwise, you know, and that yeah. it would take a lot to maybe bring it up to scratch, you know. And uh, so we we found we had no other, there was no other decision to be made, you know. Okay, take me back. When when did when did it all start for you, the getting well, involved in fruit and veg? I think it was in 1962, I am a little bit vague about 62. Uh, I think it was 62. I'm nearly certain of that. And uh, there were three of us together at the start, Tommy Nine, the late Tommy Nine, and Connor Flynn. And uh, we, we we opened this place, and it was, it was a state-of-the-art greengrocer shop. Okay. It was nothing like it in the, in the country. I'd say there were beautiful mirrors. Everything was spot-on, beautiful window. I got baskets made from rehab in Cork. You know, and, and where was this on the main, 106 main, main street? On the main where, street, where there's a new cafe for opening up there now. Okay, and uh, I was there for years and years. There were I, <coughs> there were two people upstairs who, uh, two sisters, who owned that place. You know, okay. so we never owned it really. And One they lived those, over the shop. 
One of those was Dolly Donovan, and I was talking to my great friend the other day, Eugene Sheen, the butcher. We often reminisce, <laughs> and he was talking about Dolly. But she had a great saying, and it was a great philosophy, really, for a businessman. Uh, what was it again? Um, short accounts make long friends. Short accounts. <laughs> <laughs> good. Short accounts make long friends. Yeah. So, so the two sisters lived over the shop. They did. They did. They, yeah. Did. Were they ever married? Were they, were they spinsters? One was. Mrs O'Connor was. Yeah. Seemingly it was a shoemaker shop one time. Yeah. And uh, he died then. And then we, we went in there. So, so, so the three boys ran at them as a, as a green grocer for yeah. a number of years. So he won out. Conor Flynn had a wholesale fruit wholesale place in Newmarket. Okay. You know. So in time I bought the two boys out and I was on my own kind of, you know. And then so when, there when were very good times. Then Quinsville came to town and, you know, the super values started getting bigger and there was a lot more opposition and, you know. Yeah. So uh, there was good times and bad times, you know. <laughs> and then when did you make the move to Carmichael Lane? Um, I think just 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and your customers followed you? Well, Sharon did. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. new customers did. It was very funny the other day, young, uh, young, well, she's young enough woman says, we told her, no, she's, oh, oh, she says, isn't this lovely shop? I love this shop. Now she's from Mallow, but I think she must have been away. And we told her, <laughs> we're close to next Saturday. And she said, I'm just after finding it. <laughs> 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 and then the other one, it's not just your family, um, Liam, who are going to be losing out here mm. because the, the local producers, I mean. Oh, yes. I feel for those now, you know, um, yeah, we get a share of stuff from Sheen's, from Castle and Roach, but they have others. But uh, the Castle Gregory men, especially Joe Keller, lovely, honourable men. Used to come for years and years, you know. What was he? What does he supply? Uh, carrots, carrot. carrots, parsnips, and onions. Okay, somebody you know, said uh, carrots with dirt on it. With dirt on it, yeah. dirty carrots. People used to rave about the carrots. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just saying that you can't be somebody else order carrots. Not the same at all. A woman said to me one day, it was, it was so funny. She said, "Oh, the Castle Gregory carrots. What a difference in taste and all." She said, "Do you know this?" And she was quite serious. My dog knows the difference. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I give him the other car, he knows that he will. <laughs> That's a fussy dog. <laughs> and and a lot of people talk about your potatoes. Yeah. Where, 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 where? They where come from um, East Cork. Okay. Henry Savage from Whitegate. Another fabulously honourable man. Yeah. He might be bringing in 70 or 80 bags of potatoes and there might be Mac and one, he'd take it back. And I'd say, go on, Henry, we'll be, I'll pack that one, you know, but there might be one bad one inside. Yeah. Now, he used to supply Barry's Cash and Carry when they were into fruit and veg. Yeah. And when they ceased trading in fruit and veg, he he came to me, I used to get his potatoes from Barry's. Right. So that's how, and he is, he does a round and carry you know, a lovely, lovely man, joint, a gentle joint of a man. And the Brussels sprouts at Christmas. Yeah, Sheen's from Castletown Roach. Yeah. They, they have a shop out there. They have a farm shop there, just this side of the village, Mallow side of the village. Okay, so. Lovely, Leslie, lovely person. So people can get them there at oh, least. Of course, yeah, yeah. They, 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 they can go the there. The funny thing about the, <laughs> the sprouts. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. On the stem. Yeah. People were amazed. Is that how sprouts go? I, I never I, knew I, that. I, I never knew that either. I mean, it was, it was only when I saw the sprouts <coughs> in your shop. I never, I'd never yeah. seen sprouts yeah. on, on a stem before. And of course, the fact that when we were talking about the, the, the carbon footprint today, I mean, the fact that all of your fruit and veg doesn't travel very far yeah. to get into your shop yeah. is an added bonus yeah. for the freshness. Then we used to get tomatoes from Killeball and Peter and Peter and me and Killeball and Peter Rafferty. And people, I met a man yesterday and I didn't tell him. He's a European, but he was stone mad about these tomatoes and he stopped me. I was talking over and he stopped around about the tomatoes. They should grow them the whole year round. <laughs> I said, we, we haven't the sun the whole year round. <laughs> but uh, the locally grown tomatoes and people were raving about them to kill one in tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, and, it have, and have you seen a change in fruit and veg over the years? Or are we are we still quite traditional in what we buy when we go to the green grocers? It's still traditional, really. I'd say. Did you get into avocados? Yeah. Did you? That would have been something you wouldn't have been selling oh, when yeah. you first opened. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There are certain things like that. The other we get and uh, other things like that. Too. I forget yeah. the name. Some of them. Yeah. <laughs> Celeriac. Celeriac, yeah, yeah. Never, li- never liked the taste no. of that uh, for um, some reason. Sweet potatoes and they, they are popular enough, you know. Yeah, which wouldn't have been when you would have first no, started, no. first started no. the business. No. And the shop has always, Liam, also been known as a place to go for the chat. It, it was more than just going in to get the yeah, veg. Well, people said that, yeah, that you could have a bit of... 
and a bit of local gossip and a bit of banter and, you know, a bit of fun. Would Sometimes there'd be two or three people talking together. <laughs> Four people. <laughs> and would, would you hear the gossip? You would? I would. <laughs> OK, I can see a lot of uh, texts coming in with uh, people just wanting to wish you all uh, the very, very best. Uh, they always had the best new potatoes. Oh, so yes, sorry yeah. to hear they're closing another great loss uh, to the town. There's something wonderful about new potatoes, isn't there, with butter on yes, the top? Yes, they're coming out from Henry as well, from Whitegate. Henry Savage from Whitegate. And what time of the year are the new potatoes? Uh, July. Yeah, July. July, yeah. yeah. Early July. Uh, Pat O'Brien, what a terrible shame. A very honourable uh, family. Regulations gone mad. Liam is a Mallow legend and I wish him and all of the family well, says uh, Pat O'Brien. And Donald Vaughan and Bally Desmond said, what a sad day. The likes of Sheen's we, we will never see again. Best wishes uh, to them all. And Sheen's butchers on Main Street in Mallow were on right. wanting to wish uh, Liam all the best um, uh, to you and to your family. And I know your your grandson, Alton, wrote a, uh, wrote a particularly <coughs> nice uh, piece, didn't he? Do you, do you have some of that? Do you have I some have of that with you? Just, this is a poem that <coughs> young Alton's, what, 16, is he? Is 16. He? 16. And uh, he, he just, when the news broke, he decided to write mm. a bit of a poem about Granddad's job. Two lovely ones lately about uh, First World War. Yeah. Out of the blue, you know. And uh, I just scribbled down because I, I haven't done my phone, my phone. Go on, just <laughs> read it away. It's great. A, pl- a place of old with a heart of new. Somewhere to talk, to chat for a while, to hear the gossip, to fill people's lives day by day. Four walls and a roof, is that not what it is? Stone wood and concrete block. So why shed a tear? Yeah. <laughs> uh, more of the text coming in. Um, Eleanor says, best wishes to, to Liam and to his daughter, Deirdre. You will be uh, missed. And Mary says, hi, Patricia. I worked in Mallow for 22 years. I remember buying my lovely veg, including a lovely fresh cauliflower every single week when Liam had the shop on the main street. I think it was located around Barry's shoe shop. Always a lovely personal service from all of the staff. Thank you. It is a sad, sad day for Mallow and there was a fabulous piece went up on the Donnerell blog during oh, during right. the week that I certainly think is, is worth lovely, uh, yeah. reading um, this is on, on the Donnerell uh, blog online it says a sign of the times a beloved landmark is closing its doors because it does not comply with health and safety standards this was a community meeting place it had a personal touch a chat was had over a purchase smiles were exchanged you could buy one apple and two carrots. The, this kind of closure impacts on everyone. To the one person, this could be the only interaction they would have. To that one person, this shop was a haven where they were guaranteed a smile and a chat. So now that one person might not need a bag of apples or a full bag of carrots. Now that one person might not venture out because they'll be met with impersonal bleeps on a conveyor belt in a supermarket. We are slowly but surely losing our personal interactions with real people. This is a sad day for uh, um, everyone, uh, which I think sums up how a lot of people feel about it. And because, Liam, over the years, you, w- you would have seen a lot of small businesses close, wouldn't oh, you, yes. over the years? Yeah. Even during the week now, when I was, <laughs> sorry, when I was uh, thinking about this, I picked up this phrase a, year, a couple of years ago. I borrowed it. It was as if someone somewhere tapped on the shoulder of my memories 
and the images and faces of 55 years ago came before me. It's a lovely phrase. Mm, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was thinking during the, the week about, you know, the shops that closed, and there were some more very big shops, you know. Yeah. I was thinking especially, I would say, Tommy Barry, no, lovely man. I was mad about Tommy Barry. And, uh, you know, all those people that were around. Um, Good, them. decent, honourable people. Yeah. yeah. Tommy Barry, Vincent Downs, the Barretts were next door, Lumbers, then the Lumbers were wholesale, were a, um, something like Buckley Brothers, Burns, they were a, a pub, and they used to have these massive barn bracks <laughs> displayed in the window, you know. One went house was an institution, of oh, course. Oh, God. Jo- yeah, jo- yeah. It was good to see that reopen, but that was Twice. that was such a shock when the, when, when that closed, yeah. Um, Bapti, I still call it Bapti Sullivan's. Yeah. They're Peter Weedles, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those people. Max Sweeney's, then next to Eugene Sheen's, the butchers. Yeah. The sweet shop later. Brian and Ronnie Wall, of course. That's gone as well, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's it's the personal torture, because I think that's yeah. what everybody is saying. Um, and, you know, that's what's summed up in, in that piece by the Donnerell blog. It's the personal interactions uh, with people. Mm. As you say, you knew all your customers. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, certainly. There was a couple of things I wanted to say. Go on. Go on. <laughs> well, I want to thank my staff over the years, too. Okay. You know, I had some wonderful people work for me, you know. Uh, especially my, my um, oil. I have it written down here now somewhere. <laughs> here, where oh. Oily Scannon. Oily Scannon, Oily O'Connell. She was the very first that came to me and she was wonderful. You know, Oily was lovely. People were, and she was with me, I think, 14 years, you know. And Nora O'Shea, Nora Donovan. I hope I'm not leaving out anybody. People okay. came and go out for a few years, got yeah. married. You know. Margaret Kerwin, Tres Brown. Late Trace Brown, lovely Bernice Barrett, Bernie. Who works with us here yeah. at the radio station. She's coming yeah. out Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> she do more talking than working. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell her that. <laughs> <laughs> my sister, my late sister Kay, um, and uh, lately Billy Gallagher used to come on a Friday for a couple of hours and he was great fun. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, I, I met a man one day, Kevin O'Callaghan, and he said, I used to pack potatoes for you after school one time. You know, and there'd be many more like that so that I wouldn't, wouldn't know. And then obviously your, your, your family were all involved with it over the yeah. years. But there was one or two things that I wanted to say okay. <clears throat> that you might know. Go on. Have you a bit of time? Yeah, go on. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so there was two-way traffic in Mallow one time, of course. You know? No. This would come as a surprise to people that every day, every morning at 8 o'clock, the parking poles used to be changed. Two men used to come and they'd go to a parking pole, one saying no parking, the other parking, and they'd lift the pole, very heavy pole, and cross each other and change. And the same thing would happen the next morning and the next morning. See? <laughs> they were council workers, obviously, they were. were they? Yeah. Yeah. So you couldn't have parking on both sides, so you could only have parking on one side with the two-way traffic. So the so shopkeepers would demand they'd day. alternate. Yeah. You know? Doesn't Never that knew sound that. strange? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and we had a friend home from uh, Wales, and he was going fishing one morning, early in the morning, because it was quite dark, and he got the fright of his life. He was half, I suppose he might have had a few drinks the night before as well, and he was half tired. Half asleep, and next thing he saw these two figures crossing in the middle of the road with these poles hitting what he was like a crucifixion or something, you know, scene, you know. No, uh, 
I remember one time then a lorry ran out of control. There was a huge bang. I ran out to the door and there was a lorry stuck in the arch of the Ulster Bank. He had come down O'Brien Street. Brakes failed. Oh and my God. Straight across the road. He could have killed people. He could have, yeah. It. Nobody I was killed. He tried to go through the archway, but he got stuck in the archway, you know. But he was okay afterwards, I think. Yeah. You know, things like that happened. Uh, Eugene Sheen, then we had great fun with Eugene Sheen. It was great. Great eyes. The butcher, you know. Yeah, it was yeah. Great. Okay, but you so, know, so, uh, so, just so. one of Dermot Casey started. Dermot Casey started up uh, the, the lane opposite me. And there was a fireman there. Yeah, he started there. And Dermot is a very big businessman now. He's the first cousin of mine. I always admired him. And I ran up. And I ran in and I was pulling out lawnmowers and until something got a hold of me. He said, the whole thing is going to blow up. Get you out. know, you could have been killed. And of course, Derm- like Dermot, thank God, uh, is still going strong. Yes. OK, um, and the last day is uh, Saturday. Saturday. And, and I know um, Deirdre said it's going to be like a kind of a celebration as well, while it'll be a sad day. But it'll also be a bit of a celebration for, for, uh, for and the hope is that a lot of the old customers uh, will call in. Listen, uh, Liam, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Grant, thanks very much. And best of luck uh, to you. Uh, to Deirdre and to the rest of the family yeah. in, in the future and just know in such high regard yeah. that you've been held which is lovely and I want to thank all the customers over the years okay. and the staff that were with me over the years and uh, onwards and upwards yeah I, 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 I sometimes sing a song badly and it's called Don't Give Up Till It's Over that's, that's, that's my policy <laughs> and you're, you're not going to do that no I won't oh. sing that song alright God bless Listen, thanks very much take care take care Liam Sheehan Court Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 and thanks to the somebody on behalf of the Harbour Players in Ballyclaw were on uh, listening to Liam Sheehan talking about Sheehan's Green Grocers which is a closing after over 50 years in business on this Saturday the 26th of January and uh, some of the Harbour players in Ballyclaw uh, want to say a big thank you to Liam and uh, to the Sheehan family they always supported the players every year by taking out an ad obviously in some kind of a programme and that you forget as well those small businesses are always great to support local charities and anyone that's ever needed a spot prize it's always the local businesses that they target again and again and again and sometimes you have to feel sorry for local businesses I know we would have dealt with that in the past before where local businesses feel they can't say no when locals are coming in asking for a spot prize but sometimes you know there can be so many coming in asking for spot prizes and if you've got a local business that's barely barely uh, surviving it can be difficult for them to come up with the spot prizes and on the other side of the uh, side of the coin difficult for them to say no when it is local people who they need to support their businesses so another reason why we have to try and keep so many of those little local family run businesses are going and lots of people saying what a sad sad day for Mallow to hear of the closure of what is a wonderful wonderful quirky uh, little shop 185333103 let me go from one side of the county to the other from Mallow let me go to Bandon where Tony joins me uh, good morning to you Tony hi good morning Patricia uh, stuck in traffic again oh yes uh, wonderful for Bandon. Wow, how bad is it? Uh, well, yesterday and the day before, it was atrocious. Uh, put it this way, even the bypass was blocked because of the problem in town. The traffic went back that far to Keller's roundabout, so it was blocked there. And then out on the Dunmanway Road, traffic got back uh, and was held up as far back as the industrial units. On the Dunmanway Road? Yes, that far back. 
Yeah. Okay, people, this is this is the flood yeah. relief works that's going on. Um, yes, it is, and you know it is vital for Bandon. Yeah. Yep, it's going to be. But wh- for two why? Years. Why? Yeah. Why does it appear to be worse this week than previous weeks? Well, what's actually happening at the moment is that we're working down at the bottom end of the Glashine Road. Yeah. Um, uh, on with the bridge. And when you saw it, they, had, they were doing the digging there. They had all the lights right on top of the roadworks. And the bridge was blocked solid. And yesterday, I, I couldn't believe it. I actually went up to the guys that were doing the lights and I said, what's going on? I said, that bridge is blocked. I said, ambulance or fire engine, how are they going to get through? And actually, an ambulance did struggle through late yesterday afternoon, but struggled to get through. So if there was a life and death situation, that's unfair on the emergency services. And the bridge is a bottleneck, as we already know, before roadworks. So... You know, I said to them, I actually sat down and it took me a couple of minutes to do a sketch. And I said, you need to keep the bridge free. I said, set a light up by Little Nora's pub yeah. to keep hold the traffic back there. I said, a set a light by a Donovan's off license and where Kelleher's car park is that far. Keep back from the main problem, you're holding the ground. And then let everything move freely. So if you've got something coming down the Glashine Road, crossing the bridge to go up towards the Manway, then they can move freely. And the big lorries can take the turn nicely with not being jammed because when the bridge was blocked, cars were blocking them and they could not turn because they need a big swing. And, and then, then when that happens, then the all traffic comes to a standstill. That's right. And then you've got the problem of traffic wanting to turn into... McSweeney's Key, and that's been held by the traffic coming the other way. So you make McSweeney's Key one way, going turn into it, and then the traffic that wants to come out towards the bridge goes on to the main um, south uh, south main street, which isn't difficult. But all times the bridge is kept free, and emergency services can use it if they wish, because they can hit the button, all the lights red, ambulance or fire engine. Okay, can go through. I saw uh, Councillor Gillian Coughlin, the local councillor in Bandon, posting on her Facebook last night. She said, and I quote, traffic congestion is at an unacceptable level in Bandon. With better signage and management, delays yeah. can be minimised. I will again, she says, raise this issue at our Bandon Kinsale Municipal District meeting and insist that better communication with stakeholders and improved traffic management systems are put in place. She says, I'm extremely disappointed at this level of disruption so early on in this project, this project is scheduled to take 20 months to complete. Yeah. Now, you can't put up with 20 months of what you're describing, Tony. Yeah. No, she's quite right in that. This is early on in the project. Now, I'm sorry, but if these are the guys that are managing it, one, what course did they go on? What m- traffic management training did they do? You, you sound, when you said that, you, you know, you, you got out your pencil and paper and you worked it all out. Have you worked in traffic management in, in a former life? Um, when I was uh, working in London, yeah. uh, I was in telecoms and I used to have to supervise and check that all our contractors were doing the work properly. I actually went on a management course two week. So um, we did the traffic planning and layout 
And in the middle of London, five main roads converging at one point, mm. we had to make sure traffic really moved. We would get fined. We would find huge amounts if we made unacceptable levels of traffic congestion. So we had to be on the metal. Um, so you, you know, so 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 what I take from that is that it, this this can be done. I mean, you know, I'm always in defence of the works, saying to people, look, you need to be a bit patient, and it, you know, in a couple of years' time, when all the work is completed, and you look back, you yeah. won't even remember it. But in the meantime, you reckon there are other ways to do this to minimise what's happened. People will will willingly put up with delays, but not I, excessive I, delays. That's right. I totally agree. I mean. You need to get the stopwatch out. You need to work out the timing with the sequencing of the lights. And there is an algorithm, there is a formula that works it. Uh, if you do it with stop-go boards and you make it a package of 20, uh, an articulated lorry is three vehicles, uh, an eight-legger, a rigid, is two cars. Yeah? yeah. So three cars for an Arctic, two for a rigid. You count your package through if you're using the stop-goes put that up and let the next lot come through. Now, that would minimise, but you can also work it on the traffic lights as well. Again, there is a proper formula for it. If they'd been on a course, they would know that. And you assume that somebody, somebody's done the course. Are you doing it for the next 20 months? Could we get you a job down there? <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, I think we should be sending you down there. OK, listen, Tony, thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, 1850 Lines open. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A couple of people who contacted to say electricity's gone again in Colin. Uh, so this is morning, Patricia. You were on about the ESP outage in Colin. Well, it did come back, but I'm sad to report it's gone again. Uh, enjoying listening to your show this morning. Hopefully you've got batteries in the radio. We go back on to ESP Networks. And I don't know, they're not telling us what's the reason for the outage, but they are aware of it and they're back working on it again. And they're expecting in the next 15, 20 minutes, they should have power fully restored in Colin. So hang on there, particularly if you're trying to boil the kettle to make a cuppa. Some of your texts coming into the programme. We were talking about gridlock in the town of Bandon in the last hour with the works that are going on with the laying of the new water mains. Michael says, Patricia, how are you? I'm very well. Rebandon traffic chaos. I was stuck in the mayhem yesterday afternoon. It was at peak time with school buses, etc. Imagine a pouring wet day and kids waiting for their bus to, to come and collect them. Now, a couple of points here, please. A complete lack of management of the traffic at peak times. Driver behaviour, though, is also a big factor. I saw it myself yesterday. One lady decided to follow the car in front of her like a sheep and then completely blocked the junction so no one could turn right up Kilbrogan Hill. Next one, a bus. Came down on the wrong side of the road to turn right onto the Dunmanway Road, completely blocking the road. Not a trace of a member of Angarda Shiakona in all of this mayhem. All stakeholders have to feed into solving this gridlock. As your caller Tony said, in an emergency, there was nowhere to go to let an ambulance, etc. pass you by. Please get everyone heads together before this finishes banding, as a town says. Uh, Michael, thanks for that, Michael. And the worry 
the worry is that when and we're we're talking about it, so we could be adding to it. Is you have people who decide I'll I'll avoid Bandon completely, or if you go into town and you get caught up in that gridlock traffic, then the next time you need to go back into town, you might decide oh, I'll go the opposite direction. I'll keep away from Bandon while the road works with you to go on for the next uh, twenty months, or something has to be done. But I think you're right. We can't blame everything on traffic management. It does look that there's a problem with traffic management that needs to get sorted. But driver behaviour people need and this happens not just when there's roadworks going on how often will we get calls in from people saying drivers need to start respecting and learn to respect the yellow box you only enter the yellow box if you can get out of the yellow box how often are junctions blocked up because people everybody's in a rush to get somewhere isn't it it seems to be oh I'll tag on I'll be like a sheep I'll tag on to the car behind me the lights have just changed Asher he's gone through I'll be able to make it through as well and then of course if you make it through and you end up blocking the junction or whatever it is very very frustrating that's just driver behaviour everybody needs to uh, learn there but thank you for your text to 0862103103 Dan says hi Patricia in the most recent utterance from the EU are they not are there not frightening similarities to when they dumped 64 billion euro of debt onto our inept and self-serving politicians. We're in for another screwing, says Dan. Oh my God, I hope you're around there. Let's stay on gas emissions for a moment. Mike says, the best way to reduce greenhouse emissions from the agri-sector is to remove all EU and government payments to farmers who are highly stocked with cattle on their farms and divert this money instead to enhance biodiversity within the countryside. Why all this milk and meat when we have to export 90% of what we produce in Ireland, says uh, Mike. And I don't know if, if, that's the exact, if that is the exact figure. I know we do export a, a lot of what we produce, but that brings in a lot of money, Mike, into the country. We have to remember that as well. And I know on WhatsApp, when we were talking about the gas and the greenhouse emissions and gas emissions and all of that, Thank you to somebody who sent this on. It is, it's the UK figures, but we're similar enough in this country, but it's looking at the greenhouse gas emissions for 2016. Now, they have agriculture down at 10%. Depending on the various reports you read here, Ireland, we're between 12 and 15. So our greenhouse emissions from agriculture would be slightly higher than they are in England. But then in a lot of the other areas we would be similar enough. Transport for example is 26% but that's planes, trains and automobiles. It's not just planes. Uh, Energy supply is at 25%. Our energy supply for greenhouse emissions I know is quite high. Business in the United Kingdom is at 17%. Residential is at 14%. Waste management is at 4% and other is at 4%. So it isn't all down to agriculture. And when you look at that when you look at greenhouse gas emissions, and it's the same, I think, in nearly every country, while while a lot of the blame goes on agriculture, agriculture, when you break it down, is usually one of the smallest. And I know a number of people were talking about planes uh, as well and giving out about planes and seeing planes going, you know, going across the sky every morning. What, you know, what's the carbon footprint there? What's the, the green emissions? Uh, and I did a quick check. Um, as little 
as well as little as 3% of the global population actually fly in a plane which always strikes me I think we here in Ireland we're so used to jumping on planes and going places because of obviously because of where we are on the fringes of Europe if you want to get 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 anywhere to get off the island the easiest way is to get on a plane but if you look at globally all over the world only 3% of the population use use a plane it's, I think that's, that's an incredible figure, isn't it? But then when you look at ga- CO2 emissions from planes, most estimates put aviation's share of global CO2 emissions at just 2%. But then when you look at that figure versus the fact that only 3% of the population fly, that's where your carbon footprint uh, is quite high. But you can't all blame planes. The planes are not all the reasons for the transport. If you're going to look at transport, then you have to look at all of the modes of at transport which would be planes trains buses trucks cars etc if we all want to really look at our gas house uh, our green emissions and, and, and trying to do our bit to stop global warming so global warming then we would have to change our lifestyle uh, completely Okay, what else is coming into us on this? Hi, Patricia. Farmers and farming organisations can talk until the cows come home. Pardon the pun, says Tony from Newmarket. But it's the guys at the top who must be knocked off their pedestals. They must take back control and set up their own co-op and meat factories. They should watch the way the French farmers take a stand and protest. The farming organisations, the likes of the IFA, are not effective, in Tony's opinion, as they are not getting results. There is a couple of multi national companies dictating the pace, says Tony from New from Newmarket, who feels farmers and farming organisations need to take back control themselves. We spoke about bypasses on the programme. Heidi said all this talk about bypasses around Mallow and I mentioned McCroom. Well, these are all needed because of the amount of cars and huge trucks that are on our roads today. There are two places that really need to be looked at in West Cork. One is Bantry they really need a by- bypass also I think the powers that be need to look at the town of Skibbereen if you travel into Skibbereen the road there where the West Cork Hotel is uh, the road is dangerous as it is not that wide and all the cars parked there at the side of the road makes it very difficult to pass. So there are a lot of areas where we need to look at putting bypasses in place and a lot of towns need those bypasses but it goes back at the end of the day whenever we raise the issue of bypasses why they put in the long finger it all goes back to funding. We're going to talk about drink on the programme The Demon Drink and in particular we're going to talk about students and the amount of alcohol that students are drinking and a story coming out today that students are going to the early houses which kind of really baffled me that a college student would be out drinking early in the morning during the week I'm not talking about a weekend we're talking about uh, during the week so we're going to talk about that um, and then Mary contacted us about the programme that was on TV on Monday and the programme was looking at a day in the life of the week before They'd taken a day in the life of how we deal with our rubbish and this week's programme was the tourism industry and Mary said that, you know, it showed Bunratty, it showed the cruise ships coming into Cove, it showed our wonderful B&Bs and how popular they are and it was an absolutely lovely programme until Mary said it got to a bit where there was an item of a chap 
in Galway who was running a pub crawl event and what he does basically is he walks around Galway City holding up an advertising board like a sandwich board I imagine and it's offering pub crawl experiences and he's offering it to both tourists and to Irish visitors uh, to Galway and Mary thought about here we go again what is it with we the Irish when it comes to the amount of drinking that we do and we know we're constantly talking about trying to tackle our drink problem and trying to get to the bottom of our drink problem and trying to get to the bottom of why we have this attitude with alcohol that we, that isn't reflected in every other country around uh, the world and she says and here I am watching this lovely programme about tourism in this country and here's your man making his money Sell, making his money by encouraging people to go on uh, pub crawls. She just said it actually annoyed her and it actually, she felt, ruined the programme for her. Well, when you're not on your own, a couple of other people were on saying, totally, 100% agree with Mary. That pub crawl piece in that programme really annoyed me uh, as well. Uh, it was a lovely programme, but what a way to show uh, Ireland. And someone else says, I agree with Mary. The programme was great. It was showing off Ireland at its very best. And of course, here we go. We have to sell Ireland as a load of drunkards. I was shocked to see that contained in a programme highlighting uh, tourism. And on students drinking, a listener says, it amazes me where these students get so much money for alcohol. I think Think back to when my daughter went to college, which would have been in the late 90s, 1998 to be precise. She had a summer job and between that and her grant, she would not take any money from us. The only financial contribution we gave her was her train fare until about April of the year she was in college. Her and her friends were very careful with their money. And by the way, they did have a good time. They did socialise. They did have fun. But uh, nothing like the drinking that seems to go on today. What a drink culture we have in this country. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Blood Transfusion Service. They are holding donor clinics in the Fernhill uh, Fernhill. Fernhill House Hotel in Clonakilty. They're there today between 3 and 5 and again between 7 and uh, 9pm. Bingo is on in the Adele Quinn Hall in Canturk tonight. That's at half past eight. New members are always welcome and proceeds will go to the Hall Building Fund. Please know that there's no line dancing in Clondrohid tomorrow Thursday but we will be back the following Thursday which is the 31st of January so get your dancing boots uh, ready. Kinsale Men's Shelt they will hold a talk by Lighthouse Keeper Gerard Butler in their premises this Friday. It's at 7.45. New and old members are invited to uh, come along. And in a Shannon Nockavilla Fibrillator Group are holding their annual fundraising table quiz. It's in Barrett's Lodge this Friday and it's from half past eight at tables of four. And let me stay on the topic of uh, what's on because I want to remind you that tonight social dancing is back social dancing classes is back this is Michael Welton who contacted us last week and I, I said to Michael at the time will you send me a reminder next Wednesday to make sure that I give it a, a mention and I'm glad to say he has but I'd actually kept the note would you believe Michael it was on my desk for today so just a reminder to you that social dancing 
classes in LEP are starting tonight and everybody is welcome. The venue is the LEP Inn and it's at nine o'clock tonight and it'll run for eight weeks if you want to go along because we often hear about people who'd love to go along. Social dancing, it's a great way to socialise, a great way to meet people but if you don't know how to dance, if you're a bit like myself and you have two left feet, you need to have a few classes first. So there's your chance in the LEP Inn tonight from nine, the first of the classes starting and they run for eight weeks. And when I mentioned that last week, somebody said, Patricia, is there any similar classes going on in North Cork? Because we always seem to hear about these social dancing and classes going on in West Cork but nothing for us here in North Cork. Well somebody messaged me to say that there are dancing classes on Tuesday nights, so this would have been last night but it's on next week, in the Adele Quinn Hall in Canturk and they're on between 8 and 10 o'clock. So for anyone in North Cork that would like to go social dancing Tuesday nights the Adele Quinn Hall though for those in West Cork the LEP in social dancing classes with Michael Welton starting tonight and they'll run for the next eight weeks good luck to everybody that gets involved Cork Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 Connect with C103 on Twitter. Find all the latest news and sport and stay in touch with what's happening across Cork. Search for our Twitter handle at C103 Cork. And actually, can I just stay on the social dancing for... Uh, for a minute uh, because uh, Michael Welton who is running the social dancing classes at the LEP in kicking off tonight at nine for beginners and improvers tells me also the classes have also resumed in Tots Pub Ballygurteen, that's on Tuesday nights and the Pike Hall on Thursday nights, uh, all at nine o'clock. And Michael says there's no excuse to be a wallflower anymore. You can get the classes so that you're, you're all doing well. And someone else has been on to say, can you, while you're on about social dancing, there's social dancing in the Black Rose Bar at the crossroads in Butterfant every Tuesday night at half past nine till late. A great night is assured. Thanks from all at the Black Rose. So lots and lots of social dancing going on. Great place for people to get out and uh, socialise. And, you know, a lot of them, uh, particularly for people who live in very rural areas who can find, you know, rural isolation and we're trying to do everything we can to combat rural isolation. Social dancing might be just for you. Now, according to a front page story on today's Irish Examiner by Own English, one of the city's best known early houses has had to hire extra security to cope with an influx of college students. The issue was also raised at the City's Joint Policing Committee by Fianna Fáil Councillor Mary Shields, who joins me. Good afternoon to you, Mary. Hello. Um, I'm very well. You're welcome to the programme. Now, I suppose, firstly, some of our listeners may be unaware of these early houses. Can you just explain how they operate? Well, first of all, I was kind of not very, very aware of them myself until it came to my attention that last Wednesday... There was two taxi loads of students who were brought in from uh, the western suburbs of the city at, at early morning. And they, some, some of them had to queue because the pub was already full. And uh, they were uh, celebrating. And I would imagine that they were celebrating all night because... Um, uh, and these pubs, just to, for the listeners that don't know about them, uh, they're in existence for a very, very long time. And they have a license to sell alcohol. I, I, at from seven at seven open at seven a.m. each day, and these pubs originally got a license to open in the early morning to facilitate dockers and other workers who were on night shifts uh, in the in the uh, or on a night shift. So that was the whole purpose of their them getting that um, 
that. And some of them still open today? Oh, absolutely. There's there's at least two in the city of Cork. And I understand there are about, there are 15 in Dublin and uh, some in Killy, seven in Killybegs. And they are open, as I say, for mainly for dockers. That was the whole idea, the original idea. Now, uh, my problem is that students are frequenting these pubs. And I think I, I think there's a, I would have grave concern there. I think it's given out the wrong message to students. And I, I don't think parents would appreciate that their young people are inside in town drinking at 7 o'clock in the morning after being partying all night. And, uh, and also, I don't think that they're capable of uh, partaking in college lectures on that day and maybe for other days well, afterwards. Well, they're obviously, so my, yeah, they're obviously, yeah, they're obviously, because yeah, when, I, when I heard about it, first of all, I thought they were heading into the pub to start their day's drinking. But no, it's the, it's the, ta- it's the end of a night's drinking. You would think yeah. by 7am in the morning they've had enough alcohol consumed. Yeah, well, my, my thing is too that if these pubs, um, and I have nothing against the pubs, they have their licence, they're not breaking any law, uh, but if they are to operate early morning licence, they must have a strict policy in dealing with students or other late night revellers on their way home. And indeed, uh, problem drinkers as well, you know, that all comes into the mix. But my, my I was horrified to think that there are students hiring taxis, if you don't mind, to go into town uh, in the early morning to continue their drinking. That worries me. I think it's a give sends out the wrong message altogether. And is this just a particular times of the year? I'm thinking of Rag Week and Freshers Week. Is it? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's more prevalent on Rag Week and Freshers Week. And if you don't mind, they have a new one now called Refreshers. What's so that? It's, it's Refreshers. They're actually celebrating at the moment. I understand. <laughs> Yeah. Any excuse to party kind of thing? Any excuse to party. Well, that's now, OK, but uh, parents are paying out a lot of money for fees. Uh, you know, the, the taxpayer wouldn't thank them either. We're paying a lot on our taxes to ensure that students have their education. And I have nothing against students enjoying themselves too. It's part and parcel of being part of the university, socialising properly. But I don't think this is socialising properly for young people. It's 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 dangerous as well. If they've been drinking mm. all night, my God, the amount mm. of alcohol mm. they must already have in their system without exactly. heading into a pub at seven in the morning to get another drink. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's it's a very bad practice, and it should be stopped. And in that context, I think I need. I think we need to examine and review the current law and see what can be done to avoid this happening. I mean, this early morning license does that need to be looked at? Well, like who who needs I, to go drinking at seven in the morning? Well, obviously, people do, uh, apparently, the, the pubs. I mean, the pubs have put on, or one of the pubs anyway, at least, have said that they had to put on extra staff to uh, to, to police this, you know. So, so yeah, I'm but you can imagine care. the condition that some of these young people must be in. If they have mm. been drinking all night, which is, exactly. you you assume they're not getting out of bed at seven in the morning to go to the pub, so we're assuming they've well, been out partying. Sure yeah, they've been I out mean, partying all that. So, you know... There, I can see why a pub will need to put on security because that could get very messy. Absolutely, absolutely. I saw them queuing myself there, or well, I won't say queuing, but I saw them outside a particular pub at half eleven uh, last Wednesday. All right, myself. Yeah. Half eleven but, in the morning. Yeah, but I've heard of the taxi coming in very early in the morning yeah. at the opening time. You see, when I mentioned that we were going to be discussing this straight away, got people saying, "Where are they getting the money from?" I mean, alcohol is not alcohol in a, in a bar is not cheap. It's not cheap, not cheap at all, not cheap at all. 
But anyway, that's that's my, I brought it up at the policing forum. I thought that was the place to bring it up yeah. and uh, have it discussed and see what can be done to avoid this. Um, the licence is, is another matter which maybe maybe needs reviewing. Okay, somebody else is bringing up the issue of um, availability of cheap alcohol. We still haven't dealt with that. Hmm. Well, I know that's yeah, well, that, that's true. That's I think there are too many off licences anyway, and it's too easy for young people to get cheap alcohol, and that is another issue, certainly. And in fairness, I would say, a lot, and in fairness to vintners, I would say that the pub is often a safe place. At least they can stop them drinking. But um, oh, getting a drink in, uh, uh, off licence and going off as what's called bush drinking, to me, is shocking as well. Mm. And that's what's happening today. That's, yeah. They can get litres of vodka, litres of different types of spirits. Yeah. Horrible, horrible. I mean, a lot of the publicans will tell you that by the time they arrive into the pub, they're already... Yeah. Well and over most the limit. Republicans do, do. They are uh, responsible. You know, as I say, are responsible. And as I say, at least they're in the pub. They're not out in the street. Okay. But uh, seven o'clock in the morning, I don't think so. It seems very early. I could, even the thought of having a drink at seven in the morning. Um, okay, listen, Mary, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Right. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Fianna Fáil councillor Mary Shields on that. What seems to be a bit of a problem with students going into the early houses. I and, and I know what uh, Sheila, or what uh, Mary is saying that these early houses. I I don't know how many of them are is are there some of them in the county as well she reckons there's at least two that she definitely knows in the city I mean they got that license to open at seven in the morning in a very different uh, era in an era where there was a lot more people doing shift work and then it was to facilitate the people on the docks coming in on the on the ships I wonder now how many people t- take the students away from it I mean that's just students being students and they'll say it's just, you know, part of their rite of passage into adulthood is to go off and have a, an, a jolly nice time when they're, when they're being students. But in the main, it isn't students that are keeping these early houses uh, open. It will, I would be I will be very interested. Let's see if I can do some research in this, this afternoon just to work out who goes into these early houses. I mean, it's seven in the morning who, I mean, are there shift workers? Because there obviously are still shift workers uh, working. But I don't know, I, I don't know of anyone that I know that would work, uh, that is a shift worker who at seven in the morning would decide I'll go in and have a couple of pints or go in and have a few G&Ts and then head home, home to work. Or are there still people coming in off the ships, which is was the dockers was one of the main reasons that these early houses were 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 put in place and they were given the licence for it. Does that need to be reviewed, I suppose, is the question uh, that we're asking. And we tied it in with that programme that was on the TV on Monday about the tourists and this chap going around advertising, you know, a traditional pub crawl in Galway, doing it to both overseas tourists and to and to Irish visitors who are coming to Galway if you wanted to go and, and then he would lead you on a guided pub crawl of uh, Galway and some people are critical of that and thought it actually took from the programme. Uh, Breda in Mill Street says, Patricia, tourists love our Irish pubs. I thought it was a great idea watching the programmes, watching the programme the other night. The tourists didn't drink much and they loved our Irish coffee and a glass of and a glass of Wine is that what it is? Um, pub grub is also very tasty, says Breda in uh, Middle. Um, says uh, Breda in Mill Street. So she found that aspect of the program. She enjoyed that aspect of the program. She didn't see it as the others uh, saw it as a kind of a bad reflection on this country. 
to actually to go out there and to actually be encouraging tourists when they come to this country to uh, drink. Uh, Christy says, hi Patricia, it's estimated, this is on our carbon footprint, it's estimated that our car- the carbon footprint of every person taking a flight from London to New York is the equivalent of the annual footprint of an average household. The climate change is a scam and an excuse to raise more taxes being driven by politicians for themselves and vested interests that the people are expected to pay those who already have enough of austerity. The government don't practice what they pe- preach. I'm a Danny Healy Ray on all of this, says uh, Christy. And somebody was saying on the carbon footprint, if you're talking about the carbon footprint of flying our own government, the announcement is out. It comes out every year as to where all our ministers will be to celebrate our national holiday, St. Patrick's Day, and ministers will jet to every European capital for St. Patrick's Day. And obviously this year is seen as very important as the, the government are sending them all out there with our Brexit response. The Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, he, obviously he's going stateside, he always does. He'll visit the US President Donald Trump. But his cabinet and junior ministers will travel right across the EU. Some are going to Africa, some are going to Asia. The Taoiseach, Simon Coveney, he will meet delegations in Paris, Berlin, Brussels and The Hague. They have him travelling around uh, quite a bit. While the difficult diplomatic effort in London that's been handed over to the Finance Minister Pascal Donoghue. The St. Patrick's Day programme for 2019 was officially announced yesterday by Simon Coveney. He said St. Patrick's Day offers a unique opportunity to promote Ireland around the world. We get to celebrate our heritage. We also get to renew our bonds with the global Irish family. He said the Tánaiste, the ministers, the Ceoncorlach, the Cahirlach, uh, all will undertake ambitious programmes of visits across Europe, the Middle East, the Americas, the Asia-Pacific region, all over the St. Patrick's Day uh, period to promote Ireland as a great place to live, great place to visit, great place to study, great place to, to work and, of course, most importantly, a great place to do uh, business. Simon Coveney said this year's programme will serve as a platform to underline Ireland's commitment to the EU. That's why I take it so many parts of Europe are going to have one of our ministers this year. Ministers have been told they must use the trip to emphasise key economic messages. They must underline Ireland's commitment to the, restri- to the res- restoration of the institutions in Northern Ireland. They've got to advance our campaign for a seat on the Security Council for the United Nations. And ministers will visit Wellington and Vancouver, where Ireland recently opened new diplomatic missions in 2018. Also included Bogota, Santiago, Mumbai and Los Angeles they'll all get a ministerial uh, visit uh, this year and I'm just looking I have a map of the world and there's very few places that it isn't mentioned so just quickly looking down because people are always interested in our own our local ministers and where are they going so I'm trying to keep a look out for the Cork one Simon Coveney as we mentioned he's he's got a, a big trip he's doing France, Germany, Belgium and the Netherlands so as David Stanton will be going to Savannah and Atlanta Atlanta. David, so David Stanton is going to America. Michael Creed, the Agriculture Minister, he will be in Spain and in Portugal. 
And what other junior ministers uh, do we have? Dennis, oh, Dennis, of course, Dennis O'Donovan, he's a Cork senator. He's the Kohilikov, uh, the Shannon. He's going to Russia. That's where Dennis is off to. And then the junior minister from West Cork is Jim Daly. And Jim Daly will be going to India, all flying the flag for Ireland for St. Patrick's Day. I've just seen when I was calling out where the different ministers are going for St. Patrick's Day. Somebody says, with the help of God, Patricia Shane Ross, I won't bother coming home after his trip. Um, Shane Ross, by the way, in case you're interested, is going to the United Arab Emirates, the UEA. That's where our transport minister is going this year on pubs serving alcohol early in the morning. One listener says pubs don't care. I've seen a publican serve drink until they fall down. Yeah, but that's you're being that's one publican. You can't generalise and say that about all publicans. And here's one when you when you're asking about you know who'd go drinking at seven o'clock in the morning. The very thought of it. Listen, says I worked in England for ten years. I worked as a carer, all twelve hour shifts across four nights a week. On the morning we finished our fourth night, yes, we went to Weatherspoons. We had breakfast, and yes, we did have a few drinks. That was our social life when you work at night. Uh, loved the job and actually I enjoyed the morning social life. Okay, so I'm I'm wrong to say that people who are on shift work don't socialise in the morning because they do. Thank you for that. Somebody else is looking for details of trying to apply for a grant for college for a son who's in leaving cert um, susie.ie s-u-s-i and I uh, I will whatsapp that on so it's susie.ie uh, a very efficient system I have to say Susie has been introduced a number of years ago when it comes to applying for third level grants and it has proven to be very very uh, efficient uh, indeed and I've been asked to say happy birthday to to Patricia Pickford, Anthony Pickford's mum, sent in a text. Happy birthday to you, Patricia. Hope you're having a lovely, lovely uh, day. McCroom Gardy have been on to say that they've had a few calls from McCroom residents who are getting scam telephone calls purporting to be from air saying that their internet is going to be switched off. God, we're hearing about this I would almost say on a daily basis now and they seem to target different areas so it seems to be in the McCroom area at the moment. Now McCroom Gardaí say that people who are ringing them are saying look I know it's a scam and I just hung up but they got on to us because they are fearful that some elderly people may not be aware that it's a scam and some of these people doing these scams can be quite professional and if you're not aware of it you might get fooled into thinking that they are the real McCoy. The guard here advising people please do not interact and never ever ever hand over any kind of bank details to anyone who just rings you up regardless of who they say they are they will inevitably might let on to say that they're your bank or whatever you do not give out any kind of information at all over the phone and we've been talking about Brexit this is an interesting one uh, a text that came in yesterday just didn't get to it um, just wondering if anybody else says this Kevin thank you Kevin put your name on your text uh, Kevin says just wondering has anybody else encountered what appears to be Kevin says a post-Brexit mode by Bank of Ireland already. Got my credit card statement this week. I have a few small online purchases from Amazon.co.uk. The December 18 transaction appears as Amazon...x. But the January 19 transaction 
has a footnote which includes 0.22 cent cross-border handling charge. Has anybody else noticed that, says Kevin? Now, I came in at the end of the programme yesterday, so I checked because I only this week had a small online purchase with Amazon.co.uk. So I said I'd do a quick check and I'm with permanent TSB and there's nothing on my account to say there is a cross-border handling charge but I will definitely keep a lookout for it. Now, mine wasn't on a credit card, it was on a debit card. And I'm wondering, could that be different? Because, you know, often there'll be different charges on a credit card than there will be on a debit card. So I don't know. I, I, I'm, as I say, mine was on a debit, it will be slightly different. But keep a lookout for it. Check your statements, please. And does anybody else notice something called a cross-border handling charge. Uh, Kevin, I would be very interested for you to get on to Bank of Ireland and ask them, please, can they explain what is a cross-border handling fee of 22 uh, cent? And John says, Patricia, you mentioned earlier that there is a mega bill coming through from our government. Will our government be ready in the event of a no-deal Brexit? Well, that's what this mega bill is all about. It's going to cover 17 areas. We've got to wait to see the heads of the bill. They expect it to be published next week. And then the full bill we won't have until next month. Month Nine memos have, were brought to Cabinet this week. They were with the Cabinet meeting that was dominated by a no-deal uh, planning. Legislation will be needed in a whole host of different areas if Britain crash out of Brexit. I mean, we need to look at things like healthcare arrangements. I mean, the cataract one is the obvious one on the bus. The, the cataract bus, is that is that going to go? But what happens to English people that get sick over here or vice versa? If we're over in England, you're on holidays and you get sick, what happens there? There are healthcare arrangements in place at the moment. What would happen with an old deal uh, Brexit? We need to look at things. Students who are studying in the United Kingdom, will they still have access to their grant assistance? Cross-border rail services. We've got the Enterprise Service, which runs very successfully a couple of times a day between Dublin and Belfast. What about coach services that go up the north? They're going to have to be looked at. The Justice Minister, Charlie Flanagan, is going to introduce a number of sections in the bill to address issues like extradition, the immigration process, the recognition of qualification for solicitors. Who would have thought that's going to be affected? But it is. Finance Minister Pascal Donoghue, he will need to bring forward legislation that will ensure continuity of business in relation to current access to taxation reliefs and to allowances. Changes are also going to be needed in the area of social protection. And the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar has briefed members of the opposition on the latest no deal uh, preparations yesterday, but is now facing calls from Fianna Fáil to publish the full, full bill earlier than, even though I suppose next month you probably say is only days away. But we are now looking at days. There's only 26 sitting days of the doll between now and March the uh, 29th. So this mega bill, we can expect the heads to be published sometime this week with the full bill to be expected next uh, month as planning is put in place for a no-deal Brexit. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Somebody said, listening to you calling out where everyone's going on St. Patrick's Day, turns my stomach. All these people flying away and hundreds of people dying on our streets. Myself and my husband work full time to try and keep, simply keep a roof over our heads, food on the table and still don't have much left to even share a bottle of wine on a Saturday. This country is a joke and somebody else says, who's paying for all those trips? Need I answer? I guess we'll leave you. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. 
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.